summary evening here on the chair shop podcast uh coming to you live as always from three separate locations i'm one of your hosts Harry Murphy, joined as always by the ever dependable producer mr paul griffin that's me i'm here i'm back Ooh. and rounding out the trio this week is our own special little birthday boy it's mr joe towner it's my birthday this week it's my birthday this week. This week's my birthday. Hello. Happy birthday, Joe. Thanks, Happy Paul. birthday. Yeah. Uh, what did you get up to, Joe? I want to kick things off. I want the rundown. I want the... Uh, I want, you know, how much of a good fellow were you? Um, and, and all of that. Well, I would say I was a jolly good fellow. Um... So, birthday was on Friday, um, went to work and that, and um, that was fine, didn't do a lot to be honest, for sod it, it's Friday, it's my birthday, not going to go mad. Um, about four o'clock, um, the boss said to me, oh, should we just pop downstairs for five minutes? And I was like, uh, no, I'm busy. He was <laughs> like, oh no, no, we have to go now. And then, um, oh, okay then, so we went down. Everyone's gathered around singing Giant Cake. You know, if you saw it on Instagram, it was about a foot wide. You know, this big it was a big cake. Nice. Several layers. Um, nice big card and that. So that, that was good. I mean we do that for everyone's birthday, so I don't know why she thought I wouldn't figure it out. <laughs> like you know what I mean? Like yeah. she asked me afterwards, did you know it was gonna happen? I thought, well, you know, the last five were a giveaway. Um so that was good. That was nice of them. Because uh, at my old place, we didn't really have any help from the company, sort uh, like celebrating birthdays. We just had to go out and buy a you know a cake and a card for someone else amongst ourselves. Mm. So it was often quite a ramshackle affair um, with a very cheap uh, ten pound cake from Tesco. Um, well, the the best cakes are good from Tesco, to be fair. Well, not really. Oh, I, He's I, having a laugh. I love Tesco cake. I love Tesco chocolate cake. <laughs> Um, so that was good. Then uh, came on Friday, I had pizza, and my mum brought around another cake. We had a bit of that. It was a passion fruit cake. I love a bit of passion fruit. A passion fruit cake? Wow. Yes. That's the sort of thing we're eating over here in London. <laughs> <laughs> Just, <laughs> it's the oh, last days of the Roman Empire. Passion fruit cake. It's giant birthday cakes. It's everything. Um, so that was good. Then Saturday, went to. Um, a little pub owned by a chef you might have heard of called uh, Gordon Ramsay. Um, got his own. He's got his own little gastro pub that's on by the river, uh, sort of in in East London. Uh, so we had lunch there. I had sausage and mash, which was very tasty. I don't mind telling you. Um, very nice potato mash, mashed potato, mm-hmm. which uh, was good. Um, and then had a lovely sticky toffee pudding, um, which, to be honest, the sauce was really hot. Like, it was like hot soup. It was so, it was like steam coming off of it. So, I'll be honest, Gordon, bit of a kitchen nightmare. Oh, oh, 
Oh. Hey. Hey. So um, that was all right. Wait for that to cool down, and that was nice. We had a little walk along the river, went to the O2 Arena in uh, Greenwich in London, um, where there is a nice big Cineworld cinema. Um, so that was good. It was absolutely packed. I think it was boxing on at the, at the arena last night, so a British, British heavyweight match. So it was um, very busy, and it's very busy anyway. It's bloody enormous, that place. It's got an outlet centre. It's got about 30 restaurants, the arena and everything. Yeah, we went to see Spider-Man. That was good. Uh, it was a Saturday, so the screening was quite busy and full of uh, what I might term plebs. Um, little kid sat next to Michelle who literally did not stop fucking moving for two hours. <laughs> um, he was probably, what, four or five? He, he was quite young. I don't think a four or five-year-old is going to be able to sit through a you know Marvel Universe Spider-Man movie. Yeah. Know? really get a lot of enjoyment out of it well do you reckon he's seen the other 27 i well i mean he wasn't born when the last um spider-man came out so probably not mm. but yeah in i mean he's probably not lived long enough to actually watch the full running time of all those movies either <laughs> um but yeah he was really annoying and the, the parents were kept telling him off but not really doing anything it's like you sit down and we, we go up yeah and it's just that for two hours and someone had really strong aftershave in front of me. Oh, apart, no. Apart from that, it wasn't too bad. Michelle found it too loud. Um, it was quite loud. The um, the Dolby Atmos, I think it was. Right. Um, I didn't mind too much. Um, I thought the film was good. I don't think I enjoyed it. Well, I'll go do a few full review later. But I don't think I enjoyed it as much as Homecoming. But it was overall a fun, funny job of movie. We'll come back to that. Um, yeah, and that was good. And then, um, uh, we got the little cable car over the Thames, which was nice. And then went home and today just been watching sport all day. So, uh, cricket, which was on, uh, don't normally watch cricket, bit boring, bit poncy for me. Same thing with <laughs> rugby, but if England are in a world cup final, go on then. I'll watch that. That's my, um, the one time I'll watch cricket and rugby. Um, so that was good. So I've been watching that today. It didn't look like they were going to win. They weren't doing very well. But then it got very dramatic in the last kind of half an hour. They managed to pull it back. Uh, they actually tied uh, the number of runs with New Zealand. Mm. Uh, then it went into it went to a super over, which is like a cricket penalty shootout. And I was like, oh, this is great. I didn't realize cricket was actually like, interesting. And um, yeah, and then they managed to win it with the last ball. Um, which was really good. So England won the World Cup for the first time ever. So congrats, congrats to the lads. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, just to say that the England captain, Owen Morgan, was born in Ireland, lads. So, you know, mm. claim a bit of that. Yeah. You know. Hey? Claim a bit of him winning England a World Cup in yeah. the, the yeah. most gory sport imaginable. Yeah. Hey, you'd be loving that, wouldn't you? <laughs> Owen Morgan from Dublin. Hey. Fine, fine Protestant name, Owen Morgan. Um, yeah. Well, you know, we, we we claim a little bit of the old uh, the old First World War victory, so we might as well do it here again. Do we? Yeah, loads of Irish lads. Fought. Well, we were still owned uh, by England back just, then. We officially, just kind of mope about it, though. We don't really claim it, you know. I love this. I've I've gone to Owen Morgan's Wikipedia, by the way, um, and it has not to be confused with. Owen Morgan, cricketer, 
So there's, there's another Owen Morgan cricketer. Although the, the one we're talking about, obviously, has Owen spelt the old Catholic way with an E-O-I-N. Oh, the vowels there. Yeah. Pop, a, pop an A and a U in while you're at it. <laughs> E-O-I-N, Morgan. Oin. Good lad. Um, so that was good. And also watched the tennis, um, which was quite fun as well. Federer and, and the Jokovic went to five sets. Good, good day of sport. Good day of Enjoyable. Um, yeah. I watched a bit of the Man United friendly the other day as well. Oh, no, why? I forgot to. I forgot it was on, so I missed the first half because I was watching the G one <laughs> live. <laughs> um, and then I, I stuck it on the tablet. I had kind of the corner of my eye watching Man United beat Perth or someone two nil. Yeah, that was all right. <laughs> so. In their hideous yellow snakeskin jersey that they're wearing this year. Yikes. Appropriate, though, given all the snakes in the team. Oh! Hello. Hello. What about yourself? Uh, Barry, you watch any sport? I I did not watch a second of sports, unfortunately. Uh, I wanted to ask Joe some questions about the the, the Ramsey. So the, the Ramsey wasn't there, was he? No, no, he wasn't in that day. Is it like yeah. Disneyland where did they have someone in a Ramsey suit pretend to be Ramsey? <laughs> and he just comes up to goes, Oh, you fucking idiot. <laughs> and it was, oh, yes, chef. Oh, oh God, yeah. You kill someone. I like how um, we've talked about Kitchen Nightmares on this show before. Mm. Um, a great show. A great show. And I like, I like how Ramsey. He'll like chew someone out, and on the UK version, he'll chew someone out and he'll storm off. And then the person you just get a shot of him kind of in the alley behind the restaurant smoking a fag, looking sad. <laughs> uh, uh, Chef Ramsey says, Me, uh, me, <laughs> me restaurant's not gonna make it, or whatever the fuck. And then, like in the American version, he chews someone out, and then you cut to like a, a, a talking head of, of the head ch- of the, the manager of the restaurant going, This fucking Ramsey, he's gonna get a, uh, he thinks I'm afraid to use this when he strokes a nine millimeter, you know. <laughs> um, I'd love to, I should, it's all on demand. I should, I should rewatch Kitchen Nightmares because it's, it's, it's great, one of my all-time great. favorite shows. Uh, so yeah, uh, as for myself at the old life golf, quiet week. Uh, work is absolutely bananas at the moment. Uh, so I'm being very, very boring, and I'm just uh, uh, you know kind of uh, doing the old job, and then I'm trying to keep up on the old wrestling um, uh, as well. I, I watched a lot of wrestling this week, which was good. Um, and yeah, uh, important follow up from last week, though. I rest assured, friends, I have. Sourced an airbed, um, so I know a lot of people were, were were distressed last week when I said I had an issue and I just got my money back. I didn't get a replacement. I've been able to source one. It does work. We are all set for me to have visitors this weekend, and I just want to thank everyone for reaching out and and their condolences and their well wishes. It does mean a lot to me. Um, so yeah, and uh, so that's me sorted for next week. Speaking of next weekend, I won't be here, of course. Uh, back at the old OTT contenders next weekend, motherfucker. <laughs> is that is that a no? Well, am I going to contenders? Yeah, <laughs> they haven't even got an import in for it. The lazy bastards. Fuck off with that. Oh, shaming the Irish! Wow, wow, wow. No, I, I'm simply not going. Not not, I, not out of any uh, 
antipathy towards the show or anything. In fact, I think the show looks alright. But uh, I think it looks alright. I don't think it looks great though, but it looks alright. It's alright. All the Irish, guaranteed Irish. Is is mm. uh, no, I don't. I, I mean, I've still not been to a contenders. I did buy a ticket for it once uh, when there was that snow that one time, so I ended up not going. <laughs> In the end, anyway. I sure lads, keep the money. Don't worry about it. Don't, don't, no, no problem. Um, but now we haven't gone back since. Fair yeah. enough. Yeah. Fair, fair enough. Um, yeah, it's really my week. I went to the Limerick Pride was on yesterday. I went to that, showed my support for all the old gays. Um, and you know, all, all the, the buys and the non-conforming and all why, that. Why was Limerick Pride yeah. so late? It wasn't, didn't they have Pride in Dublin like weeks ago? Yeah, that's why they did it later. They did it separate. Um, how come? Because they did it. They did it so they can get the they can get their own headline space. Do you lads do St. Patrick's Day in like April? <laughs> um, yeah. Also, it's my it's it's my birthday next week in Connacht. Um, <laughs> but um, yeah, no, it's separate because I think they do it in the UK as well, don't they? Because I, I think a friend of mine from Bristol was talking about Pride being um, this weekend in in Bristol, whereas London, I think they already had it. I don't know. It's just you know all the big the big cities they want to get all their own. Attention for there's their. Only, there's only so many little gay fellas to go around, and yeah, they have to they have to fly them in. Yeah, so um, true. It's like you know, Dean, Dean Ambrose or whatever he's called there. John Moxley couldn't be on AEW the other night because he's in Japan, isn't he? So spread it out, and you get all your top gays, and they can be on all of them. Your uh, your RuPaul, I assume, was there. Um, right on. Graham Norton, absolutely, of course. The best. <laughs> Any other gay Irish people? Um, well, I don't think RuPaul is Irish, first of all. Is, is she not? Is they not? <laughs> RuPaul's a fella. All right, is, I think we should say not? that. <laughs> yeah, he's not just in drag, isn't he? Doesn't he? He's not yeah, he's right. Yeah, but sure, we got Luke Skywalker in for St. Patrick's Day, so we, they can surely get RuPaul in for Limerick. Yeah. Do you know, yeah, Mark Hamill got around the little car. In Dublin. Oh, how he is. I do not remember that at all. Well, RTE uh, archives will surely, surely back me up on that one. Um, I was pride. It was a good crack, was it? It was alright. Yeah, they, you know, there was music and, and people roller skating and dogs. The dogs of oh. pride. Were there fellas in little leather pants? Uh, yes. And, and um, yeah. It was good. It was all right. You know, it's, it was the thing, the thing about Pride is it is just it's a parade. You know, there was other yeah. stuff going on around the city that day, but the parade. You know what a parade is. You know, you got the you got people flying their various flags and 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 promoting their various causes and and marching and and, and playing music and all sorts of stuff. It was good. But what I dislike about Pride, right? Oh, I'm you bigot. Look, here we go. Yeah. Oh, here we, what I dislike about Pride says Paul Griffin is that they're allowed to do it. To be honest, <laughs> in public. Yeah, as I was walking, one, one lady asked me, "Sorry." What what's going on? I said it's it's the pride praise. It's, it's what? And she was about like sixty, and I was like, look, I don't want to have this conversation with you because I don't like how it's probably going to go. So I'm just going to keep walking. What I don't like about pride is all the young orange. I'm going to use the word slapper again here. I think uh, who who just used it as a, another excuse to go out and get pissed in public. <laughs> I thought you were going to make some kind of point about Protestants there because it was happening on the 12th. Well, there are oranges on, I suppose. The young orange ones out there causing trouble. <laughs> Slappers using it as an excuse. 
Because, like, I've, uh, I, I've heard, uh, uh, you know, overheard on, on the train. Oh, this was for Dublin Pride at the time. Oh, I can't wait for again. Pride, uh, go and get lashed. You don't care about the, the gay rights or any of that? They don't only want to go and get drunk. <laughs> what are they going to say? I can't wait for Pride. I can't wait to get the gays some rights. <laughs> I can't wait to fight the good fight, brother. Oh, fuck. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> you don't care about gay rights. <laughs> oh, okay. It's, anyway. It, it's parade appropriation is what it is. I mean, it kind of is. I mean, there was the alternate pride this year in Dublin as well with, with the, the kind of the no corporate, no police, no, you know. Because, uh, yeah, I mean, it is. Because there was... There was um, who was it? There was some company there. I think Dell. No, some company had a, a was was some massive corporation was represented at the Limerick one. Right. And look, that's your that's whatever your preference is, obviously. But um, but yeah, no, you're kind of right. No, it is I'm a, straight. It is a, a, if you're asking, say what? <laughs> Never mind. Go on. Anyway, that's my life goth. How, are you hungover now? Is that you? Who's oh hung- yeah, that's yeah. I'm hungover. I don't have anything to contribute or talk about being hungover. I just felt like putting it on the list. Yeah, all right. Eh? Do you have a few drinkies. Yeah, a few, I had a few drinkies. It was, it was one of my friend's thirtieth birthdays yesterday, um, which uh, you know is a sign that we're all getting old. That's that's mm. going to be me in two years' time. Yeah, um, yeah you get a good night. Um, uh, I had a lot of there was a lot of sausage rolls, uh, sausage rolls and cocktail sausages. They had both. Hmm. It was a sausage fest. <laughs> no, there was not the ladies there. I'll have you know, sir. Um, <laughs> well, sure. You're, you're anyway. thirty in, in two years. I'm I'm, yeah. I'm thirty. Joe just turned turned thirty himself. Yeah, lost. <clears throat> was it Joe's birthday that you're talking huh? about? Was did he have the cocktail sausages? Oh, did I not? Did I not mention that? It, yeah, it was Gordon Ramsay's cocktail sausages. It was the sausage match, the cocktail sausages, and the sausage roll. Yeah, yeah, it was, it was mental for sausages. Yeah, appropriate for Limerick Pride weekend. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. Yeah, famous famous location of a Gordon Ramsay restaurant, Limerick. <laughs> what what other phallic foods can we have? Sausage sausages, sausage that <laughs> any cucumber uh, dishes? Oh god. Cucumber dishes. Cucumber dishes. Uh, anyway, anyway, look at me giving out and me using now pride as a source of humor in a podcast. I'm just as bad as them orange women and men. To be fair, I don't know why I think about the women. Very, yeah, very... well, and call them slappers as well. Well, they are Barry. Sometimes you got to call a spade a spade. Oh, oh, and now here comes the racism. Jesus Christ! <laughs> well, now hang on a second. I'll stop you there. I love all the races. All of them. Yeah, even you. Even you listening. You're my favourite one, in fact. Except the Amish. Anyway, let's move on. <laughs> move on before I get arrested. Or yeah, anyone watched any telly this week? I just... Uh, I started re-watching I'm Alan Partridge again, which I've watched many, many times over. Still good. Still really good. 
and I started Stranger Things Season 3, which is good fun so far. Uh, I've heard a lot of good things about straight about season three. Mm. So far, it kind of seems like it's just on the higher end of that same uh, Stranger Things spectrum, which is just it's a good, well made uh, bit of bit of fantasy uh, uh, nostalgia. Um, not, I've only watched two episodes though, so I'm waiting. I'm waiting for it to properly kick off, but that's it. Uh, any other telly for you, lads? Um, Natty's watching Queer Eye for the strike right now. How's Queer Eye? Good. It's good. Good. There you go. Are they helping? Some fella? Yeah, he has a swing in his living room. For what? He's into some freaky shit. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, if you have a swing in your living room and you're into some freaky shit, better get the five gay lads around. Give you a hand. He's gay himself. What? They help gay people on <laughs> queer right now? <laughs> Wasn't it about that? Yeah, they, they, they dropped the straight guy suffix. Uh, it's not called queer for the straight guy anymore? It's called Queer Eye. Well, oh. First of all, in, in these enlightened times, uh, okay, we know that just being gay doesn't necessarily mean you know how to dress. Yes. Do you, yeah. do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, well, one of them I hear is like a nutritionist now. The gayest profession of all. Yeah. Huh? He's a nutritionist and a cook. And a cook. Okay. It's good though, yeah? You enjoyed it? Good, good. Good, good review for it there. I haven't watched anything myself, except the old uh, Pro Resu, which I'm sure I'll talk about a little bit later. Yeah. Fair enough. Uh, we'll chat a little bit about the old video games. Uh, I mentioned Mario Maker last week. Mm-hmm. Uh, I made my first Mario Maker level. It's available to play. Um, it's great fun. It's great, great fun. Just the the actual process of making it and having ideas and watching them uh, come to life and then also um, uh, like getting more ideas as you go is, is really great fun. So, uh, yeah, Mario Maker is good fun. Follow me on Twitter for more updates. Unfortunately, because of the way uh, uh, Nintendo's online shit works, um, I can't just say, oh, go on Switch Online and follow follow the Barry lad and go on Mario Maker and you have to like get one of those complicated level codes and then you can go onto my page and follow my page in there but you can't search my name it's fucking so annoying but nonetheless I think it's a it's still a great game well worth well worth dealing with all that shite uh uh, to play um because uh uh, you know the, the 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 whimsy of creating your own your own Super Mario level is is well worth it. So yeah, that's been the old video games for me this week. Hmm. I've never played any of the Mario Maker games, but just your little cell there has gotten piqued my interest. Where's my Switch? I think I think you would love it. I think you would love it. Then I could have a little play Barry's level. Hang on here. Yeah, and you, and you can make something for me to play. <laughs> my level would be very very simple. It would just be. The start of the level and then the finish line. <laughs> With maybe one, yeah, that works. one little Goomba in there or something. As far as the uh, creation... Oh, it's completely out of charge. As far as the creation aspect of it goes, I'm not sure I really have the patience for that. But I would definitely enjoy to play other people's levels. And the ones that Nintendo make. Okay. Plug me switch in now. Yeah, all, all, all the stuff that they include that comes with it is a lot of fun as well. What do you make, by the way, of that little Switch Lite they announced? Hey, I don't think I would like it, uh, but I think it's a good little compromise. Um, what way do you 200... normally play your Switch? Handheld or... Actually handheld. 
Yeah, me too. Almost um, exclusively handheld. So and so, I think anyone who's mostly interested in in it as a handheld system and a means to play Mario and a means to play uh, Zelda. Um, and a little, because it also has all the indie games as well. So it's also a little yeah. indie device. You know, you want to you play on, be on the train, play in your, um, your, you know, your my friend Pedro's and your 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 minutes and your what else. I think that's great. But for me personally, a huge part of any Nintendo system is playing it locally with friends. Yeah, that's uh, something you can't really do with it. So this Switch Lite uh, doesn't connect to the telly. So hypothetically, if you were to get uh, you know a couple of extra controllers around, you'd have to huddle around the switch screen, uh, and also it doesn't have the detachable Joy Cons, which is a really cool thing because unlike a lot of systems, it's it's multiplayer out of the box, the regular Switch, yeah. um, uh, whereas the new one isn't. So so I think I think if you if you look at this and you're just like I want to play Breath of the Wild and have a little you know uh, portable indie game device go for it but i think i think too much of the unique selling points of the switch are missing for me but again i already have one so it's not for me anyway yeah, if, so. if i didn't have one i think it's a good time for them to release i think it's release is kind of an inevitability given nintendo's yeah. history of kind of re-releasing the same system multiple times with little tweaks um and you mentioned you know odyssey and breath of the wild and you already have stuff like mario kart and smash on as well but with uh, Animal Crossing, Pokemon, Link's Awakening, Luigi's Mansion coming out in the next like couple of months, I think it's a good time to launch it as well. In case people don't have one and they can pick one up nice and cheap and have a lot of good single-player games on it. Uh, but I also have one, so I also won't be buying it. Um, but once me Switch comes to life here, charging, I might have a look at Mario Maker just to have a little game of it. Um, so I'm still playing Hitman 2, still burning my way through it. Uh, I completed the uh, Fort, uh, f- uh, Santa Fortuna level, the Colombian jungle level. 100% did that, as I t- tend to do. Um, I, I, I'm really enjoying Hitman 2, but it definitely feels like because the episodes weren't released episodically that there's a little bit less kind of care put into them. They, they feel a little bit more generic-y to me than the first Hitman did. Um, and I, I prefer uh, a lot more, again, as was in the first game, when you have multiple targets and they'll kind of move around the level and sometimes cross paths. Whereas in this one, especially, it just felt like the three targets were in three completely distinct locations. Um, which made play, completing the level repeatedly to- kind of a chore towards the end because one of them in particular is in like this isolated villa and it kind of was a pain in the hole to get into and kill him every time. Um, and I'm doing the Mumbai level now. I think I'm already at like mastery level 12 or something in it, so I'm not too far off uh, beating it. But... Uh, yeah, again, kind of the same problem I have with it is that although the gameplay is still as fun as ever, the level is again very kind of segmented and not particularly memorable. And uh, although initially I liked the the gimmick, which is that one of the three targets you don't know what he looks like, uh, and you have to discover that in the level. Um, the 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 catch 22 is that while that's initially fun 
um, you're limited to how many different ways you can kind of kill him because yeah. um, more time is spent finding out the identity, which you nearly have to do every time, which is not is not fun. Um, but yeah, I think after Mumbai, I've like two more full levels and then a few little ones and then I'm done. Um, so that'd be nice. As much as I'm loving Hitman, and I mean, hit, between Hitman and Hitman 2, uh, probably my favorite PS4 experience I've had. Um, I'm I, at the same time I'm now starting to look forward to uh, a different experience because I've been playing now these games for what must be over 100, 120 hours, <laughs> something like that, 100, 120, 130 hours. Um, so I'm looking forward to maybe something else, but maybe that's what um, that's when the Switch will kick back in and I'll start playing Mario Maker on the side. Yeah, yeah, sounds good. Uh, I also just downloaded Detroit as the free oh, yeah. PS Plus game. Uh, bit of a bit of an upgrade on PES twenty nineteen. Uh, Is it? Uh, yeah, because uh, if you were to get, for example, a disc version of uh, like a physical version of PES twenty nineteen, and you went down to your local CX, uh, they would probably charge you to take it off your hands. That's how little value it has at this stage of the year. It's valueless. Yeah, but like, we're talking about like what's yeah, but what's a more quality game is the question. Uh, I don't know. Do you, do you like Pez game? <laughs> Does anyone with a passing interest I, in football I, who don't play FIFA enjoy Pez? The idea of having a, I wouldn't mind like you know having a free football game that I could jump into every now and then. As someone who doesn't care about it being up to date or any shit like that. Well, I suppose know. that since I already have FIFA from last year. It's it's especially yeah. valueless to me, whereas Detroit is something that I don't own. So I was like, oh, at least at least that's a. Oh God, I'm seeing these these Lion Kings. Are, by the way, before we get on to the movie, go. These Lion King reviews are dire. Good Lord. Have you been hearing about the the new Lion King movie that's coming out? Yeah, no, it's, I, it's, it's not the, it's the not movie. being well reviewed. I saw um, it was from it was. From the, the press tour, the the for the pre-release, they showed um, like a section of it of Hakuna uh, Matata and Jimmy Kimmel. Yes, um, and it's like it's so lifeless, but also because of, because it's like you know so realistically animated, but also it's very uncanny valley because they're trying to have the lion dance, but not dance in an exaggerated cartoon way. It looks so fucking stupid. <laughs> Um, it's like, oh god, I'm. I it really doesn't bother me that they're remaking all this stuff because it's been like twenty odd years, and that's just the culture we live in. And there's plenty of good remakes and reboots that that that, that prove their worth. But they have they have to have something other than just we're doing it again, but with our new fancy computers because that's what Dumbo was, and it was so boring. I liked Aladdin reasonably enough, but it, but it was also just that. Um, like come on! Like give us. I know. I know. There's a whole generation that that haven't you know had these movies, but but also there's still plenty of people who'd like to go and see them and see something new. Um, yeah. I mean, when I saw that clip, the first thing I noticed is right at the start of the uh, of the clip, like Simba jumps over Timon and, and Pumbaa, and he just has like no, the the CGI. Simba has like no weight to it at all. It's like a floaty jump. Um, and then a little bit later on, 
he jumps again kind of away from camera and you you, you see where his back feet are and it, were this really in the jungle the back feet would push a little bit of dirt or whatever to be a little bit of flicker of dirt again nothing it's just like simba is just like superimposed onto this background it doesn't interact with it at all aside from there being like shadows and i mean obviously the characters look great in that i I don't particularly like the art style but they're good looking but um yeah that that little 20 30 second clip or whatever it was um took me from being like curious about it to completely uninterested because <laughs> it i mean if that's the clip they used to promote it how's the rest of the movie yeah, like? yeah. because it's literally yeah. they they walk through the jungle for like 30 seconds and don't do anything there's no bit where they you know put their faces together like a barbershop quartet and they're singing their song and timon doesn't give like a little point and hey, hey you no they literally just walk through the through the jungle there's no bits where there's like a, a something happens or they do something. They just walk. Uh, and that's the clip they use to promote the film. It's like the most boring shite. And the singing's not good. So nothing about it. Yeah, I like I like uh, Donald Glover a lot, but I wasn't I was not blown away by that by that aspect of it. Hmm. Oh well, I guess we'll 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 reconvene in a few weeks uh, uh, to chat about it. I'm sure or next week maybe, yeah. or, or or the week after. But yeah, um, on that subject, have we seen any movies this week, gents? I know Joe saw the old Spidey Man. Yeah, I haven't seen any. <gasps> Paul, I know I was too busy watching the old Japanese wrestling bike. Oh, it's so me. Anyway, let's talk about Spider-Man. Yeah. So, Spider-Man. It was good. Um, first thing I thought was, obviously, I haven't actually seen Avengers Endgame, um, which it makes for an interesting experience, because uh, obviously you go straight into it off the back of what happened in that movie. Yeah. Um, with uh, spoilers, <laughs> the death of Iron Man. And possibly others. I'm not sure still who's actually dead or not in the movie. But anyway, I knew Iron Man was dead already. So well, they, they they do a little in memoriam video in Spider Man right at the beginning. Yeah, I know. I saw it. Okay. <laughs> well, I don't know. You're saying you don't know if other people died or not. Okay. I, I, I suppose. Yeah. Fair enough. I thought maybe they missed people off because I hadn't heard about Cap dying. So I didn't mm. know that happened. So I wasn't sure if that was real or not. But anyway. Yeah, so that was a bit confusing. And also the whole kind of the blip, you know, the fast forwarding five years thing was a bit weird. Yeah. And it felt like the movie had to kind of yada yada over that because obviously it kind of makes it very difficult to just pick up with this sequel. Um, bearing in mind half the population disappeared for five years. You think that maybe have a bigger impact on the world, but um, it seems like they're mainly getting on with it. Good luck to them. Um, but yeah, my first thought was that all of that kind of all those Marvel universe Avengers type backstory kind of weighs the movie down a little bit um, in terms of it having to kind of go back and explain all that stuff. And obviously a lot of the story is about um, Peter kind of picking up from Tony Stark. Um, but I'd almost kind of, what I liked about the first one, it was very much its own movie in many ways. The Avengers stuff was quite, quite in the background. 
Um, so that was one kind of negative. Um, the the big weird monster things um, were a bit kind of your typical big smashy CGI uh, villains. Obviously, it turns out that that's the point, which is, I guess, kind of smart. But yeah. if you do spend the first half of the movie kind of sitting through, at taking that at face value. So it's kind of like, okay, you did a little turn with it, but it, you know, you're still sitting through that. Um, I quite like Jake Gyllenhaal, but also kind of felt like he was, yeah, I, I, you know, what, what did he want? Just wanted to, <laughs> yeah, it just had this kind of play. It was like blowing up the city with a laser type plan. I don't know. He just wanted to stage a big fight. And it, it, it was fine. It was at least slightly different. It wasn't just, I want to take over the world thing. It was slightly different with him using the kind of, um, uh, you know, the misdirection and everything. So that was at least slightly interesting. What, guess, what did yeah. you make of the the motivation for his character with the barf thing? With a little the, bit silly. The shot of him behind the curtain going, oh, oh my God, he said barf. He called yeah. the barf. Yeah. yeah. A little bit silly. Yeah. Um, I don't think you even really needed that. You know, he could have just been someone who had been in Tony Stark's shadow and was now like, oh, now he's gone, I can, you know, take over or something like that. But, yeah, a bit silly. Um, but but Jillian was good. And I like, you know, the action, action scenes were good. The romance plot was good. The little comedy subplot with um, Ned and the, the blonde girl. It's very funny. Yeah. And, um, yeah, overall, thumbs somewhat up. But I thought it was kind of just, 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 dragged down by you know the lack of like a michael keaton who was like so good uh, in the first movie um so something like that would have could have, could have lifted it up a little bit but yeah still still a, a good enjoyable movie mm. tom holland is good all righty um any other movies uh i also watched vice finally the um, movie about Dick Cheney um, from the team that brought you the big short. Um, so I've been looking forward to this because big short was, was one of my favorite films of that year. I've seen it about, I don't know, 10, 12 times. Uh, really, really enjoyed it. And this was in a very similar vein, but probably to its detriment um, because I felt a lot of the, have you, either of you two seen it? Yeah. I have. Yeah. No, I felt a lot of the kind of gimmicks that were used kind of effectively in big sh- in the big short were used here uh, to its detriment and then didn't feel kind of necessary they were just a little bit shoehorned in um like this sort of cutting away to celebrity cameo type thing uh just some of the other stuff the, the story you think it should be interesting but it, it it's not particularly interesting it just kind of tells it's just a, a quite straightforward biopic of, of dick cheney um, with Christian Bale in a kind of grey grey wig and bald cap having put on 50 pounds uh, and it just kind of goes it felt very like much of a caricature in a lot of the way it presented the, the real life people in it well, especially Sam Rockwell as uh, George W yeah that was like an SNL character yeah yeah and it's hard not to do Bush as a character because he's quite sort of silly but it, it just yeah it, it didn't land what it wanted to and i think it relied on the the sort of you know tricks to 
to make it more interesting. Uh, some some interesting bits in it, and some high points, but but overall not not that good. Wouldn't wouldn't recommend it really. Which is a shame. So yeah, that's the two movies I caught up with this week. All right, uh, you saw nothing, Paul? No. All right, uh, I saw. Um, uh, what did I see? Again, I pull up my old my old letterbox actually to make sure I'm not forgetting something. So I only have one movie down here. I uh, don't. No, yeah, just one thing. Um, I saw Toy Story Four. Um, <clears throat> which is the fourth entry in the Toy Story series, in case you couldn't tell. Um, it was really good. Um, it was it, it was very much like a, um, uh, you know, uh, one last romp with some old friends type, type feeling. Um, I thought it was really good. I thought it was not as good a finale as 3 would have been if that was the final film. Uh, but it was still a, a, a you know a, a meaningful contribution to that story. Um, you know, I, I think I think you could look at it as superfluous, but I think they they did something fun with Woody's character, and I appreciate it. Um, yeah, it was all right. It was all right. Uh, you know, similar to what Joe mentioned earlier about his cinema experience. I, I'll tell you what, as I was disgusted to see the volume of children at this film. Uh, and just behaving like maniacs. I mean, not just that they were there, just behaving like massive arseholes. <laughs> um, uh, <laughs> um, screaming and shouting and running around and crying and throwing things and fighting with their parents. Just sickening behavior. Um, but, um, yeah. So, that's it. But yeah, it was good. Um, it, yeah, I, I don't really have too much to say about it. I thought the cast was really great. I liked the old uh, uh, Keanu Reeves role in there. That was nice. But um, yeah, that's it. And that's my one movie as well. Yeah, one thing I, I didn't like so much about Toy Story 4 is, and in, in some cases with good reason, but a lot of the the main toys that we kind of grew to know of over the first three movies get kind of pushed into the background and don't have a lot to do. Yeah. Um. Like, fair enough. Don Rickles, who did Mr. Potato Head, obviously died. But you have like Rex, nothing to do. Sinky's nothing to do. Although his voice actor also died a long time ago. Um. Yeah. Jesse doesn't really have much to do. You know, and and it feels like you you have your you have your Woody. You have a little bit of Buzz. Although I mean, to be fair, Buzz in Toy Story Four is probably as pointless as he's been <laughs> in the yeah, in the that, four that's films one, one disappointing thing he was super under uh underutilized and then yeah just had all these new toys and it, it, it kind of felt a bit separate from the original trilogy because of that i i also really liked it just for the record but that was one thing where afterwards i was saying yeah i wish that there was more of the old toys and less of the new toys um and I mean, I think the reason why Toy Story 3 works better as a finale is that Toy Story was always about the relationship between the toys and the kids. Um, like, fair, you know, the, the story is about when the, when, when the kids go, go away, the toys come to life and blah, blah, blah. And this one, more than ever, takes very little kids. Like, obviously, um, Bonnie's in the movie, but there's very little interaction between Bonnie and the toys, apart from the very start of the movie. And then it's just the toys are alive and are doing their thing for the entire two hour duration. Um, well, 
it is a good good little epilogue and I, I did like the ending as Barry said um, but hopefully they don't make a fifth one yeah I, I don't leave really it at anymore. that no, no although Tim Allen's probably hoping they do a fifth one well, yeah, well, he's not getting a whole lot of other work, is he? I guess. No, again, them uh, them checks coming in from Deaton. Santa Claus Four. <laughs> ah, Tim Allen, he a good lad. Is he? I don't know. Is he bad? Is he? I don't know. I, I don't know if he's bad, but I, I don't know. If he, I, I wouldn't take a chance and say he's good either. Okay, Tim Allen, he does the voice of Buzz. He didn't have a lot to do with this movie, I'm afraid. Although, come to think of it, Buzz didn't have a lot to do in Toy Story 3 either. Is, is Buzz Lightyear one of the more overrated characters in Disney? Oh, I would say he's... When is the last time Buzz... Two, I guess. Two is when they had the Zerg, the Zerg bit, wasn't it? Um, No, because even in Two, he was like... They had the the other Buzz, the... Because the, Buzz was like That's stuck cool. in a toy box in the, in the toy shop. Hmm. Yeah. Anyway. Toy Story good in that probably the best quadrilogy of films there's ever been yeah I can't think of too many others we gotta wait and see uh, if uh, if John Wick 4 turns out good uh yeah although John Wick 1 ain't that good 2 is 2 is extremely 2 I know number 1 to be fair has the uh that fucking nobody is John Wick, which I absolutely adore. But uh, <laughs> two brilliant, and then three, three pretty good again. I think two. I think when it comes to John Wick, two is head and shoulders above the other. Is above one and three. For what it's worth. Mm. Imho. F W. Yeah, I got it. I got it. Okay. T B H. <laughs> what else we got? Uh, let's see, I got an email if you want to quickly so while we're on the topic of films. Sure. Uh, little little uh, pick one from old Scott McAvoy. Um, he said he had to jot it down while he thought of it, in case, you know, he might have, he might have forgotten. Uh, here's our three. We were just talking about one of these boys, funnily enough, uh, indirectly. Tom Hanks, star of Toy Story 4. Uh. Harrison Ford. Star of Indiana Jones and Star Wars and The Fugitive <laughs> and Tom Cruise, star of all damn Mission Impossible movies. Yeah, so that's jo- a tough one. I think Joe is uh, is going to be our our most educated here, given that he's watched all the Tom Hanks films. Every single Tom Hanks film. Yeah. Although, have you seen Toy Story Four yet? No oh, shit. Yeah, I'm still I'm one rock film behind, so I need to get out and see uh fighting with my family still. Um I I'm immediately drawn towards Harrison Ford because I, I love the Indiana Jones films and I love the Star Wars films. Um but I don't know that he's done much else that I care about. Yeah. I don't know, like stuff like uh, fucking the fugitive. Uh, I've never so seen The Fugitive, so I can't really comment he on has, it. He has lots of things like that that are like, yeah, you might not think of them right off. But well, you know, well he, had, a- he was in Blade Runner as well. Blade Runner is pretty fucking good. Um, yeah. He was in Witness, which I like a lot as well. Peter Weir. 
He was in. He's in Apocalypse Now. Apparently, I don't remember being in that. And he was in The Expendables Three. Oh God, was he? The worst Expendables film. And they're all pretty bad. Um, Tom Hanks. I'm gonna rule out Harrison Ford. Really? I think all he's got is style. I don't. I'm not a massive Indiana Jones fan, so for me, it's all yeah, he's got me neither. I do. Just I, got Star Wars, and I, I do like the Star Wars. I do like Star Wars. Well, I do like Indiana Jones, though. So, um, I'm looking at Tom Hanks here. Obviously, Tom Hanks of of the three, Tom Hanks is the one who doesn't have a big action uh, franchise that he's known for. He, he's obviously he was yeah. The thing is, you 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 think you're gonna if you can only watch Tom Hanks for the rest of your days, there's gonna be some times there where you want something to get your 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 blood pumping. And, you know, he's going to be, oh, I'm a sad man in an airport. Ooh. You know. Um, I, do like, his... I, do, I do like that movie, though. I like Terminal a lot, of course. <laughs> it's great. Um, but, you know, where's his Mission Impossible? You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, Cruise, of course, also has, uh, you know, things like you know, Collateral, yeah. which is good. Absolutely. Uh, Minority Report. Yeah. Uh, Psychology. Uh, I mean, Mission, Mission Impossible has now grown into this whole other thing where it's actually like, you know what I mean? It's actually more more serious like, a contender than you might have assumed previously. Yeah. Oh, I, I love the Mission Impossible films. Uh, he was in Edge of, Tom- Edge of Tomorrow, which was really good. He was in Tropic Thunder, which I really like. Collateral. Uh, Minority Report, Vanilla Sky, Magnolia, Eyes Wide Shut, Jerry Maguire. Yeah, Jeremy Squire. Top Gun, risky business. Um, God, I might be going. I might be going booze on this. Well, Tom Hanks has probably has probably been in the the better films. I'm looking at Tom Hanks. Obviously, was Philadelphia and Forrest Gump, which he won the back to back Oscars for. Uh, which I, I've not seen either of those films. Apollo thirteen. You you haven't seen Forrest Gump? No, I think I might be the one person in the world. Jesus Christ! Is he was in you? You've got mail. Saving Private Ryan. Green Mile. Uh, Lady Killers. Coen Brothers. Catch Me If You Can. The Terminal. Da Vinci Code, which I have seen. Uh, Hanks might have the depth here that the cruise doesn't have like t- cruise cruise has some depth but fucking hell you forget all the stuff tom hanks was in um captain phillips look at never me. saw it look at me i am you, the captain now you said he doesn't have the big action franchise but uh hello da vinci code where he has to find a library quickly on a bus. <laughs> the action in the Vinci Code is that they talk and then walk fast to another direct, another location where, yeah, they, where they talk more. I actually, um, I actually must make a confession here. Um, the Da Vinci Code and Agents and Demons are a couple of little, little guilty pleasures of mine as far as films go. Um, yeah. Inferno, however, is dog shite. Yeah, that's shit. But I, I quite like the Ninja Code and Angels and Demons. I don't know why. I think they're fun. They're yeah, fun little movies. Fun little movies. Inferno, though, is a rubbish. Don't ever watch it. It is trash. Uh, I'm going to... I think I might go for... Uh, I might go for Harrison Ford on this one. Oh. 
Um, and I'm basing that on the fact that although I do like the Mission Impossible films, I don't know that I necessarily like Tom Cruise in them. Um, That's like, fair. Like, for example, the last one, um, Fallout, right? was great. Great film. But all I could think about was Tom Cruise is only running around here to prove to the world how not old he is. That that is unfair psychoanalysis that has not had anything to do with the film, sir. <laughs> Whereas Harrison Ford, when he reached that age, he kill me, kill me in the next film, please. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I might go Har. I, I think for me and what I've seen and what I enjoy, I'm going to go Harrison Ford. Mm. I I I probably will be outvoted, but that's okay. I'm going to go. I'm going to go Harrison Ford for me. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go. Cru- I'm gonna go the cruiser. Oh well, I'm gonna go Tom Hanks. So there you go. The three three way dance. Three way dance. Hanks is great. He's got the he's got the eighties comedies. He's got the serious shit, and he's got the big crowd pleasers like Toy Story. So that's why I'm going. Oh man, Hanks. I, I, I also like, like watching Harrison Ford being interviewed because he's always stoned out of his mind and doesn't know what's going on. Yeah, he's a grumpy old fucker, isn't he? <laughs> he's a bit grumpy. He's a bit grumpy. But uh, I, could watch, I could just watch Empire Strikes Back a hundred times and I'd be happy. Watch his little char- charismatic performance in it. Ah, oh, he's great. Ah, oh, Harrison Ford, he's a treasure. Although, if the question was which one of these lads do you want to have round for dinner, I'd probably pick Tom Hanks. Yeah, definitely. Tom Hanks seemed like the nicest of the three. Good Harrison man. Ford, a bit, bit of a grump, as we said. Tom Cruise, weirdo in that. Isn't he? Yeah, yeah. yeah, he's, yeah he's, is he still a Scientologist? I think he is, yeah. It's weird that, like, he hasn't been hindered at all by that in the grand scheme of things. Yeah, he keeps delivering at the box office. So. Yeah. Although I couldn't tell you what the last non-Mission Impossible film he put out was. The well, Mummy. What, what oh, the Mummy! Ah, oh, the Mummy. <laughs> that film was so bad. The film was trash. Oh man, that sucked. Oh, and he wasn't even the worst in it. Uh, old um, Russell Crowe doing his Dick Van Dyke. Uh, oh, yeah. Mary Poppins accent. Ah, oh, that was something to behold. Yikes. Anyway, thanks for the email, Scott. And now we come to the bit of the podcast where we need to talk about wrestling. So who's watched some wrestling this week? Apart from me. Uh, I watched some wrestling. Yeah, I didn't. Did you watch as much as me, mate? I didn't. I don't think I did, actually. I think you, I think you out... Uh... I think you outdid me on that one. Because I want to um, make it clear to listeners here, in, a, in in what must be one of the biggest shocks in CSP history, uh, as we discussed at the end of last week's podcast, I did buy a New Japan World subscription. Mm. And I've watched the first three nights of the G1. <laughs> How is that possible? Oh, it's great. It's addictive, and I, it? And I really, once you're in, you're in. Yeah, I really love it. Oh, I can't stop. Because I knew today was going to be tough because I had to watch... AEW's um, Fight for the Fallen, as well as last night's, or this morning's, I should say, uh, G1 matches. I was like, oh man, how am I going to fit it all in? So, essentially what I'm doing, or what I've done here, 
I, I, I kind of skipped the the unimportant tag matches that they do. And I just watched the five G one matches. Oh yeah, you got you got to do that. Yeah. You gotta, especially as the tournament rolls on, you you find yourself getting a few days behind. It's like fuck that. Yeah. Um. Sometimes sometimes they have nice little bits of foreshadowing in them, but they're not they're not crucial at all. Yeah. Unless I say that one will get like a really good review or whatever, I'll skip it. Um. So yeah. So I mean, for anyone who like me, uh, has been a, an old G one pariah, it's like all you have to do get your little subscription right eight. Eight euro or something. So it's I don't know what that would be. Six pounds, not not expensive at all. Super cheap, and all you have to do. They don't even have a show every day. Just some days, right? And you only have to watch five matches, and you're like, all the matches are great. Uh, You have English commentary, so you can kind of follow follow what's going on. The commentary, the the commentary is great, by the way. And uh, yeah, and it's as Barry said, kind of addicting. Because you can kind of keep scores and who's winning and that. Oh, great crack, so it is. So anyway, we get to that. I mean, first, we can talk about Fight for the Fallen since we both watched it. Joe, did you get a chance to watch any of this? Nah, not yet. Okay. What did you make of it, Barry? Uh, I thought it was kind of like Fighter Fest in the sense that it was a solid show of mostly good wrestling, but that felt pretty unimportant and the more shows they do the more cracks start to appear in the in little things like the production and stuff like that right um that does make it feel like uh the the skepticism people had about the inmates running the asylum (laughs) as my hay fever goes off for bad mouthing the boys um but uh, yeah, so we'll, we'll go through it here. I, did you watch the pre-show? No, no, I don't. I only watched the main show. So the, the pre-show didn't have any really embarrass, uh, truly embarrassing shite on it. It didn't have any being the elite skits or anything like that. I got to sneeze again. Sorry. <laughs> Excuse me. Um, uh, Sonny Kiss beat Peter Avalon. That was an okay match. Um, uh, nothing too crazy. Thankfully, they did not overdo the librarian shtick, so they kept that to a minimum. And the other match on the uh, on the um, on the pre-show was a women's tag team match. Uh, the participants in which escape me right now. Oh, is that Britt Baker and Rio versus the debuting B Priestley and Shoko Nakajima? Uh, Priestley is the uh, stardom champion, and Nakajima is the Tokyo Joshi Pro champion, which was interesting. Uh, unfortunately, Britt Baker got concussed about two minutes into this. Uh, she was down. Uh, B. Priestley tagged in. The first thing Priestley did in the entire history of this promotion was she kicked Britt Baker in the head and knocked her out immediately, uh, which was great. Uh, and so the match kind of fell apart. Obviously, I can't really. I don't want to rip the match to shreds because because Britt was she kept going and she tried to keep the match together. But she there's a, a semi uh, notorious gif already going around of her running to the wrong t- uh, corner to do a hot tag, uh, right. which is unfortunate. But it was fine. You know, the, neither of the of the pre-show matches were especially bad. Uh, so yeah, we'll get on to the main show then, I guess. Uh, so the opener was Darby Allen, Jimmy Havoc, and Joey Janela versus MJF, Sammy Guevara, and Sean Spears. Uh, fun opener. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, I liked I liked all, all, the, all the various moving parts because obviously MJF and uh, and uh, 
Sean Spears aren't on the same page, which I appreciated. And uh, yeah, lots of lots of action, and, and I think everyone got there. They're shine. Yeah, the only um, one I want to point out is uh, Sean Spears continuing to have the the old jobber stink on him, uh, and I don't think it helps when you have, you know, MJF, who's a super big personality. Sammy Guevara, who's a super exciting kind of high flyer, and then Jimmy yeah. Havoc, Darby Allen, and Joey Janela, who all have their own unique kind of looks and and movements, and then you have Sean Spears, who just kind of wrestles like a slow Randy Orton. Yeah. Um, like he does that, like Randy Orton style, super methodical, like stomps and stuff. And I, in this kind of environment, I think it's a little too boring. And it doesn't help when they're trying to get him over as like the biggest star of the six of them, and he's nowhere close. Yeah, and he yeah, and he's the one getting the you know the big push. Yeah, I don't get it. I mean, obviously he's like Cody's friend or whatever, but uh, yeah, I mean there there is clearly a reason why he lingered in limbo for so long and never really got used. Yeah, yeah. He's he's just I, he's definitely I, just a guy. I think, I think they're betting on the feeling that oh he's they they're hoping the fans think he's an underused guy and so that that's why they can get brownie points for using him perhaps. Yeah. Well, not not on what he's shown so far anyway. No, yeah, I, I haven't been super impressed either. Um, you had bre- <laughs> speaking of. Brandy Rhodes against Ali. Uh, to give this uh, a chance and maintain with an open mind on the basis that Brandy seems to be trying very hard, but she was abysmal in this match. She does that thing that very inexperienced wrestlers do, that you can tell, which is what, after after every single spot, she has to kind of react to what the next coming spot will be. So she has that like split second where she, she looks like she's remembering, okay, what's next? Uh, and it, it never feels like properly fluid or properly flowing, you know? Like she'll get knocked down, she'll stand up and she'll have that like deer in the headlights for a second while she's like, okay, what's coming next? What's coming next? And it feels like she's constantly doing that rather than flowing from one spot to the next. And uh, yeah, and she's also not good at it. Like her her punches are very big and wide. Yeah, her her, her movements are so exaggerated and terrible looking. Ali's quite good, on the other hand. She is, yeah. Um, it, it was kind of hard to judge here, given her um, you know, her opponent and stuff. Uh, the thing about the thing about Brandy is um, it's like she's not that good, and she's going to keep getting in a, a, a push because of who she is. And I feel like I, that might blow up in your face after all. I know she's a heel, and so they're kind of hoping it'll get heat. But at a certain point, you know, pushing the pushing the executives is going to come back to bite you if if you're trying to be an alternative. You know. Yeah. Uh, there was one bit where they were kind of exchanging punches, and Ali's like forearm looked I was a hundred times better than Brandy's punch. Yeah. Like it was quick, it was snug, it looked good. Brandy Rose throwing those John Cena punches. Um 
was poor. Yeah, she she uh, she not good. Uh, awesome Kong was was ringside on, uh, for for Brandy. Yeah. Um, it was just which is fair enough. That's an all right use of Kong, I guess. And uh, after the match, Awesome and Aja Kong had a, uh, a stare down. Yeah, the two Kongs, so, uh, the Kong sisters. Uh, so I guess that might be an all out match. Um, I would think so. Yeah. Physically, I don't really know what the two of either of them can can really do anymore, but uh, it'll get it'll get attention for sure. So. Yeah. Uh, so that'll be good. Uh, um, Brandy's spear, by the way, at the end looked like shite as well. Uh, yeah, that was terrible, especially the, for the finish. The bionic spear, because she has a metal plate in her shoulder. Oh, poor Excalibur having to sell the idea that, oh, her spear is devastating because she has a metal plate in her clavicle. Oh, my God. Terrible. You've never heard the word clavicle said as much as it was in this match. Yeah. Clavicle guff. <laughs> Recovering from that, we had a really fun uh, uh, three-way tag here with uh, Angelico and Jack Evans versus Jungle Boy and Luchasaurus versus the Dark Order, the former Super Smash Brothers. It was nice to have a little reminder here that the, the Dark Order are actually quite good wrestlers because um, uh, uh, the gimmick, I just don't like the gimmick at all. Um, uh, and I, 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 Now that we've seen it a couple of times, now we've seen a match, I don't think I'm going to get to like it. I just, it just It's too wacky. Okay. Um, uh, but I thought the match was a lot of fun, regardless. I think the finish was great. Yes, that is great. And I'm really coming around on my new favorite little tag team in the world, uh, Luchasaurus and Jungle Boy. They're great. They work yeah. so well together. They work off each other so well. And I think I think it comes across to the audience as well. I think it... Um, uh, I think uh, average Joe wrestling fan will, will watch this and instantly gravitate to this act like, oh, oh, I get this. This is like, yeah, uh, uh, you know, a boy and his dinosaur, as Excalibur kept saying. It was very, yeah. very cute. Um, uh, and, and yeah, they, they play off to their strengths. He gets to be the Jungle Boy gets to, to sell and, and Luchasaurus can run wild. And then I like the Jungle Boy like does moves off of Luchasaurus. It's so, yeah, it's great. I will say as well, the lad who plays Luchasaurus, he ain't half bad. Um, right. Although, they, one of the, I can't remember which commentator it was, did mention in this match that he's like six foot three, and then later they were saying that Dustin uh, Rhodes is six foot six, which that made me scratch my head a little bit. Yeah. But yeah, I, I don't even, I think the guy who does Luchasaurus is quite good. I like his little like spin kicks and stuff. Um, and the little green beard. Yeah, the look is great. I think that's the main thing. Yeah. Um, big and scary and, and, and intimidating. Uh, so the Dark Order won. Uh, this was another goofy match to get a chance at a buy in the tournament for the tag titles. Uh, I, I don't know. Um, I also don't, They haven't also said how many people are going to be in that match. So is it Best Friends versus Dark Order or are they going to... I assume that's it, right? They're I not going to have like, a four-way is, yeah. match for a buy. Uh, no, they actually mentioned in this match that if if this one had ended as a time limit draw, that the best friends would have just got the buy straight to the tournament. That's fair enough. So I'm, I'm guessing it's only then the two, the two teams. Uh, the next match was Hangman Page versus Kip Sabian. Yeah. Um, weird match uh, uh, for a potential world title challenger it was fine 
It was Paige did a lot of selling, which was weird. Yeah, why? I, like, I'm not saying they should have squashed Kip because I think he's a you know a good prospect, but I wait to to nearly go to the 20 minute time limit draw and have them go 50 50 the whole match. I thought was crazy. Uh, and then to have Paige do the big power bomb out of the ring, and then have Kip kick out of that as well. So he had to do another move to put him away. I was like, Jesus Christ. Like, Paige is also a foot taller than this man. Yeah. And it, I mean, but it was all right. looking at them, he's, he's probably got about 30 pounds on him as well. Um, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I just, I kind of found it difficult to kind of get into this one. Um, yeah. I still just find Hangman Page is a, a really. A solid but bland wrestler. That's um, fair. Yeah, I, I don't really get him as the as the main event guy to go against Jericho. It seems like everyone else who's tied up with, like for example, the Omega, um, Moxley stuff, the Lucha Bros, Young Bucks stuff. That stuff is all comes off way more interesting to me than Hangman Page and Jericho, and that's the one that's for the title. Um, so after the match, anyway, Jericho come in in a skin tight shirt, and the commentators had to act like they didn't know who it was. <laughs> it's like, oh, it's, it's it's this guy who is shaped like none of the other minions. <laughs> <laughs> it's one of the Dark Order minions because Jericho's physique. What are they doing in the ring? It's the fucking dad bod order. <laughs> Oh god! Um, and then he did like the real slow unmasking, like it was you know Vince taking the hood off. It's me, Austin. Um, sure he might he could he might as well come out to uh, his his Judas song. It was that obvious it was him, and he did, <laughs> and, he, and he did a code breaker as well, which I guess is kind of the point. But uh, yeah, he bloodied Paige's eye. Um, with some like bright pink blood, I think I don't get what was happening there. Because then when Jericho came out later in the show, was we'll just skip ahead a moment. He came out later in the show and was like, "I've got his blood on my hands," and it was like bright pink. Wouldn't have gone kind of brown if it like dried on his hand. Anyway, uh, we then had Lucha Brothers against uh, SCU, and they had a fun little match. Yeah, it was good. Yeah, I think I liked it better than the uh, Lucha Brothers and Laredo Kid uh, Young Bucks Omega match from the last show. Yes, uh, tighter, I thought. And, yeah. And, and, um, although, this is a theme for the show in general, but I thought JR was kind of showing his arse here. Not literally, thank God. Um, <laughs> by being really grumpy about certain things and not making much of an effort to hide it, they did this really spectacular thing where one of the Lucha Brothers was on the top rope, and uh, I think it was Scorpio Sky basically was on the apron and threw Kazarian into, I think it was Phoenix, and and he gave him a top rope DDT, and yeah. Phoenix kicked out at two, and Jair goes, ah, and he, can you believe he even kicked out of that, and that wasn't the end of the match. Um, <laughs> it came off very much like he was, like, Unnerved that they did this spectacular move and it wasn't the finish. Yeah, Jim Ross came off a little bit like me on this podcast where 
He couldn't finish his sentences. He was babbling. Um, yeah, I, I, and conversely, I thought Alex Marvez was fine. He did. He did a lot better. Yeah, I think for yeah. sure. Because Jim Ross will start a sentence and then mid sentence realize he doesn't know one of the lads' names or something. <laughs> Just kind of very slowly drift off. Yeah, I, I agree with you, old Jim Ross. And I think that was throughout the show, not only in this one. Oh yeah, the whole the whole show. I was kind of slowly but surely kind of losing patience with. with and that kind of was amplified to me, given that I'm I'm watching Kevin Kelly and um, Rocky Romero on New Japan, who are like, in my opinion, very good. Except yeah, ex- Kevin. <coughs> excuse me, sorry, Kevin's great. I am in fucking death throes today. I apologize about all my noises. Um, also, it is fucking roasting. Jesus Christ, it's so warm. So I, I got my hangover. I got my fucking hay fever. I got my everything broken on me. Um, but yeah, Kevin Kelly is great. Um, the rotating cast of people on the New Japan side is a bit hit and miss. Hmm. Um, uh, Rocky is very good. Um, and then everyone else kind of has their, their their ups and their downs. They had um, Lanny Poffo on there. Uh, last year, mm-hmm. it was terrible. Um, they had Mr. Juicy, Gino Gambino, mm-hmm. um, on during the Best of the Super Juniors. He was actually pretty good. He was very enthusiastic. Um, not much of a of a you know a commentator, but he was a, he was a pretty solid you know positive presence uh, on there. But yeah, um, and Excalibur on on this show, I think is still great. Yeah, by far the best. So Lucha Brothers won with uh, their foot stomp uh, package pile driver. Double team. And then they attacked SCU with a ladder and challenged Young Bucks to a ladder match at All Out. So that'll probably be bonkers. Yes, that will assuredly be mayhem. Uh, Kenny Omega against Shima. Had yeah. a very good match. Yeah, great. I loved I loved the story that, that Kenny was working the legs to take the, the meteoras away from Shima, but Shima was still doing them, but he was slow on the uptake and slow getting the pins because he was hurting, but that was his best offensive weapon. Uh, it, was, it was really great, and then it escalated into some, some really great near falls. Yeah. Uh, towards the end, it got very Kenny Omega. He was obviously doing all his big spots. Um, <clears throat> eventually got the win with the V-Trigger and the Tiger Driver 98. Or, <clears throat> as Jim Ross would say, 98 or by God, whatever year that is, I don't know. Um, there was an awful lot of this. I mean, I I noticed this a lot from when he was doing PWG, but on this show in particular, I was like, Excalibur knows the name of every move ever done by any person alive. Um, <laughs> he like he knows, and he's he's never unless it's just what the move is called. He's never using its WWE's name. He's never calling it a modified slam. He always knows what the moves are called. And there were so many instances where JR was like, right, "Yeah, Snapdragon nearly got him there, but but uh, <laughs> uh, uh, Shima able to kick out of that move. I am definitely familiar with." <laughs> Shima's going for a pescado there, which I believe is the word for fish in Mexican. <laughs> Couldn't put him away with that meteora named after the uh, uh, fan favorite uh, Domino's uh, uh, pizza type. <laughs> <coughs> <coughs> uh, 
Oh, God. Um, <laughs> so speaking of being past it and a bit out of touch, Chris Jericho is out for his open mic segment. Um, yeah. uh, two segments on this show he got. Yeah, so he's come out again, and uh, I don't think he did a particularly good job here. He was doing... Nope. He was doing the full-on, like, oh, you want to boo me? You want to boo me? Then boo me. Come on. Doing that, like, super corny, super cheesy, fucking white bread heel shite. Um, and then Hangman come out, and they kind of fought a little bit, but not much. I don't know. And the, yeah, the promo was rubbish. He kept, he, he's doing bad he called him like a jack offville or ju- he calls him jerksonville first which is so lame um and then i saw a headline he was boasting after the fact that that was his first unscripted promo in 20 years which first of all is definitely not true because when you're pissed in new japan and you're swearing like a maniac after the show that's definitely not scripted um uh but also it's like this i wouldn't hang my hat on this unscripted promo it was rubbish Absolutely rubbish, and and then Hangman came out, and they had a fairly lifeless brawl. This is a this is an uh, an ice cold world title match. I think I think people will be into the idea of, of Hangman winning just because they they're into booing Jericho. But fucking hell, like I, I don't think either of these are great options. No. Um. Yeah. I mean, bring back Rudy Two D Booty at this stage. This is how bad this was. Uh, I did like that the one bit of it that got a little chuckle out of me was he said I was watching the the battle royal at the last show or the first show and he was thinking who am I going to wrestle it all out is it going to be the guy with no legs (laughs) I was like I hope it would have been him that would have been great Um, so and then we had the main event Young Bucks against Cody and Dustin Rhodes which they didn't actually announce them as that. They uh, Justin Roberts announced them as uh, the American Nightmare Cody and the natural Dustin Rhodes. So they didn't even do the Cody and Dustin Rhodes bit right. Oh, which is a shame because I love that bit. Yeah. Um, and I was just uh, thinking again, why doesn't he just call himself Cody Runnels at this stage? Because the Cody on its own is stupid. And also, we like the, the Cody and Dustin Rhodes and the Cody and Brandy Rhodes, ironically, because it's stupid. Um, yeah, uh, yeah, I, I'm with you. We should just be Cody Ruddles. But, it's, a, um, it's his name. Fuck it. Yeah. The, uh, the match is kind of a kind of disappointment. I thought I thought it was super super slow, which is not which is I kind of expected that. I did not expect them to have a young box match. That's fine. But um, Early on, it was like the Young Bucks were doing heel shtick, which I was really into. I was like, "That's perfect. That's their their natural heels." I I dig that, and they were they were taunting the the brothers. And then halfway through, it turned into a uh, Rhodes brothers work over Matt Jackson's arm match. And I was like, "What? Yeah. What kind of match is this?" Like, and they mentioned in the video package, "Oh, you know, you're so fast, you're so good, but you know, we're gonna when we get a body part, we're gonna work on you, and you're not gonna be able to deal with it." So, like, I I guess that. It was really boring. It was like, you know, just just kind of working him over, and he was, you know, he was doing some good selling and all that. But it was not a very compelling dynamic. I mean, I to me, even though he is the biggest man in the match, I to me the following the the double or nothing match, I thought the big money here would have been Dustin just you know selling his ass off and just taking a whooping and getting kicked, super kicked in the head over and over again, and you know, do you know what I mean? Like, like yeah. really, really milking the, the sympathy for him as this kind of old dog on his last legs. 
Um, uh, that would have been great. And instead, they just kind of had a plodding wrestling match, and it wasn't it wasn't much. Yeah, I was. I didn't dislike it as much as you did. Um, it was definitely different from your typical Young Bucks match. Um, but I kind of agree with you on the point that yeah, Dustin didn't didn't really do any more selling than anyone else in the match. In fact, as you said, Matt Jackson selling the arm was the big, the big bit. Um, yeah, there was nothing super memorable memorable about it. I guess no. Uh, yeah, <laughs> you might be right. Actually, <laughs> I remember watching. I didn't dislike it as much as I was watching it, but come to think of it, yeah, it was it was just a a very simple. 80s style tag match. Yeah. Albeit they won with a Meltzer driver, which you wouldn't have seen in the 80s. But <laughs> apart from uh, that, the, very yeah, straightforward. Then it, would, it would have been called the, I don't know, uh, Frost driver. <laughs> I don't know why I went with that. Um, after the poet got... Robert Frost, of course. Uh, after the, the um, uh, after the match we got just the most awkward segment um oh the bit where he said you know we've been we've been talk hearing people for years talking about the myth of this this Rhodes family jeez that made me fucking skin crawl when he said that yeah it's like oh and also that reminds me in the video package they were like hey we we were the first team to beat the shields like oh don't say that that's lame um <laughs> and then yeah and then and then one half of like the best tag team of the of the of this generation being like we yeah we heard the myth of this Rhodes tag team it's like what myth they had like a handful of matches together um and they weren't even that good like they had they had, they had one excellent match as a team that's that's really notable but anyway so they're on the mic uh, and and Matt Jackson they're doing his they're very emotional kind of oh I I respect you brother uh, promo and then the music starts to play like they're being played off the air and Matt goes oh I guess we're being Guess we got to go off air. He seemed really put out by it, but it was a very Alan Partridge moment because, like, they, the the roster comes out with the big charity check while he's having a little fit in the ring about getting cut off on his own show. Um, <laughs> so then the the roster comes out complete with Shad Khan, the most uh, charisma free man I've ever seen in my life. Um, uh, so he's um, he's there with the big check, Cody does this big kind of cringeworthy rah-rah speech where he's like um uh this you know this is genuine this is from our heart blah 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 and then he he, he says um it's, it's a check for 150,000 but he makes sure to mention that of that omega gave 5,000 i don't know why he said that he was like um uh, you know it's 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 10,000 from jabaley it's 5,000 from kenny omega and it's x amount from somewhere else and then 110,000 from all elite wrestling and it was just very, it was like the worst of WWE in the sense that they were really pounding their chest, nice thing they were doing. And it is a nice thing, but, it, it, you know, and I understand that even if they didn't pound their chest about it, it's all being done in the name of, of good PR, which is fine. But, man, they were making it so obvious that's what it was. Um, and then he went on a little speech about, oh, you can't counter-program us, blah, 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 blah. And it's like, all right, now you're now you're turning your charity segment in, into a, a, a woe is me, fuck the other corporation. You, you know, that yeah. was super cringe. Now you're going to the Pride Festival just to get drunk. Yeah. Now, now, now Cody Rhodes, now you are like a little, a little slapper on the tram. 
talking to your friends about getting drunk. I hope you, I hope you heed these with words your little your rainbow head. face paint and tassels or whatever. Um, you don't care about the gays like I do, brother. And like when he mentioned the other promotion, everyone started. Booing and as and Shad Khan is just kind of standing there with the representatives from the uh, the 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 I can't remember the name of it, but the organization that the money's going to. They're just standing in the ring while he's like the other promotion. They're like boo, and then um, and then to wrap it all up, God, Kenny Omega. I'm sure his heart was in the right place, but he basically started. Uh, tiptoeing around the idea that he had to sign them off, but he couldn't do his good night, good you know, good nights. No, what, what, what's, what even is his fucking saying? I can't remember. He says adieu and thank and good night. Bang. No, he says goodbye and good night. That's it. Goodbye and good night. And then he, he does a finger gun and he says bang. But he did an awkward fucking like little skit about oh well without without using these words he was basically like well because we're doing a gun violence uh, tribute show i guess i can't say bang and do a little finger gun so here's what we're going to do folks and also he kept saying because we're off the air because none of them could tell if they were still on the air or not <laughs> and then he said i'm gonna say i'm gonna bid you adieu and goodbye boing which he then did and it was just terrible i was like this is such amateurish shit um and well, that's how it ended they why were they still on the air during all that thing yeah, like, like, just why, why even do the check thing on air? I mean, everyone knew that that's, that the show was, um, uh, was for for charity. Like, why they had to do this song and dance again? I don't know. Hmm. Anyway, that's anyway. uh, that's AE dub for you. Um, weird. The new weird. alternative, the same as the old alternative. I it's, yeah. they do they do a lot of stuff WWE does and they're apparently the the WWE emphasis which they really aren't so far albeit the rest is quite good on it. I think that is I think that is a good point at the very least is that the the, the in ring is still really good. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So uh, that was AEW. Do you have any G1 thoughts? I watched the American one, G1 in Dallas. Dallas. Yeah. Actually, I think I talked about it last week, so I guess we don't need to retread yeah. that. If you have any thoughts on that, you want to kick us off there? Uh, let me just tell you. Uh, Lance Archer, Osprey. Oh, it <laughs> was a bloody good match. Um, yeah. Yeah, that's one to go out of your, go, go out of your way to see. Um, weirdly, right? When it comes to the Dallas show, even though you had talked about it, and even though I had kind of, you know, through osmosis knew the show was on and kind of seen tweets about it, I found as I was watching it that I actually had no idea what any of the results were. <laughs> so, uh, one or two little surprises in there where I was like, oh, Jesus, they beat your man or whatever. Um, so, as I said, Lance Archer, Osprey, hell of a match. Um, I really enjoyed Kenta Kota Ibushi as well. Mm. And of course, Okada Tanahashi was great, especially the uh, the reaction they got at the opening bell. It was like Hulk Hogan returning to SmackDown that one time. Um, and you've not seen the first two Japanese nights, then? No, night two or three. No, okay. no, no. Well, let me give you. I, I won't obviously give you any results, but I'll just tell you okay. which matches you want to go out of your way to see. Okay, good. Uh, Juice Robinson against uh, Shingo. Very good. Definitely worth a watch. Hell yeah. Uh, John Moxley Tai Chi give it a miss really mm. uh, I, I described that at the time as a nothing match uh, t- 
Toru Yano against Naito. Good fun. Yeah. Uh, Goto against Jay White. It was, it was fine. It was fine. And as you might expect, Ishii against Cobb was a banger. Really? Yeah, best, best, best match of the night. Definitely worth a watch. I see. I, I, I remember being not very impressed with their match in Ireland. Yeah, their their OTT match was boring. And very boring. They had. I've, great, heard, they, I've heard this one was much better. They had a great match. Yeah, yeah. That's good. Uh, and then night three, um, I actually enjoyed Lance Archer against Bad Luck Folly. I think they, I thought they had a fine big man match. Yeah, I, I've heard surprisingly good things about that. Yeah. Uh, Will Osprey against Sonata. Bloody good match. As you might expect. Yeah. Uh, Okada against Zack Sabre Jr. Bloody good match. Yeah. Albeit maybe a, a little bit short, but very good. Uh, Evil against Kota Ibushi. Bloody good match. And Kenta against Hiroshi Tanahashi. Bloody good match. <laughs> so, I think all the matches on night three are like good to great. Well, that's good. Yeah, damn fine G1 so far. I think my favorite of this show was Osprey Sonata. They had a hell of a match. So, uh, yeah. Some damn fine wrestling over there in Japan this time of the year. Uh, Uvi got tomorrow. Let me go to New Japan World real fast. Tomorrow have... Uh, hang on. Let me turn, turn this to English mode because I can't tell any of these people's names there. Uh, you have Shingo against Toriano. Don't know how that's going to be. Uh, Goto against Juice Robinson. That should be fun. Ishii against Jay White. Could be alright. Jay White is very bland, I will say. I, just, I don't think much was... Yeah, I, I'm, not, I'm not into Jay White at all. Uh, and then the, you have Naito against Tai Chi. And you have Moxley against Cobb. That'll be something to build. Uh, so nothing huge on there, I would say, for tomorrow. Tomorrow, pr- probably the the weakest lineup of the first four shows. Um, but then on July eighteenth, we have Kota Ibushi, Will Osprey. Yes, please. I'll have a bit. Oh yes. Don't mind if I do. And Tanahashi against Zack Saber Junior. Very nice. Yeah. So this is a good a good G one. I tell you, they got some good people in this competition. So there you go. There's your little G1 rundown. Yeah, I'll try and get up to date for uh, for next week. Well, you won't and be here then... next week. See which? You're not going to be here next week, buddy. Uh, that's true, yeah. But I'll uh, okay, next time I'm Well, I would hope in two weeks' time I'm caught up. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so, uh, so next week, uh, uh, Joe and Paul holding the fourth there. More G1 updates, I'm sure. Uh, and, and various bits of bobs. Oh, the lads can review Extreme Rules, which is tonight. <laughs> Oh yeah. Uh, so look forward to that. They're going to deep dive on Undertaker and Roman Reigns versus Shane McMahon and Drew McIntyre, aka the Graveyard Dogs. The Graveyard, yeah, yeah. I hope they come out with the Monster Mash. That'd be good. Um, <laughs> yeah. So that's that. Uh, we'll be back next week with uh, more chitter chatter about all the various things we talked about this week. More life golf, more entertainment golf, and yeah, you know, we're going to keep churning out that wrestling. Uh, the lads will be talking more wrestling than when I'm back in two weeks. Watch the G1. Out. It's uh, great. Yes, watch the G1. Jump on the old New Japan World. Watch along with us. If I can watch uh, it, you can. It's like 
that one clip yeah. of uh, Rich Evans saying, "If I can get laid, you can get laid. If I can watch a G one, you can watch it." <laughs> that's that's the way to look at it. Uh, so. Anyway, with all that said, folks, thanks very much for listening. As always, chairshotpodcast.com if you want to send us an email. And yeah, the lads will be back next week. I'll be back in two weeks' time. We hope you all have a lovely week, and we will talk to you very, very soon. So it's goodbye from me, Barry Murphy. It's goodbye from Joe Towner. Goodbye. And it's goodbye from Mr. Paul Griffin. Goodbye. Goodbye.